All right. Well, we'll start it up. Um, if you want, we can like kind of go back and forth between who kind of talks about it. We're going to be doing Region 4. Uh, I can kind of give context, and then if one of you guys wants to do the 116, the other one can do the 8-9 and so on. You guys good with that? Sure. 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 I mean, there's a team from my conference and a team from Conference 10, so we might as well split it up at least that way. Like, I can okay. take the Chicago-Salem game, and yeah. if you want to take the Clemson game. Uh, I'm actually curious to hear what you think of Clemson. I didn't necessarily expect them to be uh, where they are this year, so I'd be yeah. curious for your take, diplomatic as it may or may not be. Well, then why don't you start, uh, start JD, okay, with Dearborn, the first one matchup? Sure. So yeah, give me a second to open up the uh, the tabs here because I'm yeah literally just coming off of uh, that's okay drinking yeah. and watching football to uh, see here. But I mean, obviously, I mean the the fun thing about DTL is that you do see like one sixteen upsets from time to time, right? Yeah. So before I even like look at these two teams, I mean, just know that it's obviously much Could more happen. likely to happen than in real life. Yeah. Um, but Dearborn is they're consistently a, a good team in uh, in League Thirty One. So, um, and they've got you know decent amount of talent. And then you look at their uh, their matchup against Amarillo. And you have a team that has three recruiting classes that are in the high one hundreds, and their best class being like basically seventy five. Like on paper, there's obviously a pretty clear talent uh, advantage for Dearborn. So. Yeah. I mean, even without getting into the numbers of anything else, I think it would be a pretty big shocker to see uh, to see an upset in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, Jacob August, Ryan El- um, J- yeah, Jacob August and uh, Ryan Elveria, I mean, are just really solid players. Charlie Chestnut's a really good defending uh, point guard. And, uh, you know, Amarillo, this, congrats, this is actually their first ever NTT, so... That's awesome for them, but um, their two main scores are going up against some pretty elite defenders, a team that's riding a high off just winning the Conference 15 tournament, so they might have a little bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah, and this would definitely be a Virginia and Maryland-Baltimore County kind of upset if it were to happen, yeah. but uh, not something that I think anyone's going to go into it expecting. So, I mean, For sure. obviously Dearborn's led by that sophomore class you know, with Chestnut and August in the backcourt. So, it'd be pretty surprising to see them go down early to a team like Amarillo. But, uh, you know, crazy things happen from time to time. For sure. Let's look at the 8-9 uh, matchup. We have the Montpelier Peepers going up against the Scranton Paladins. Montpelier, coached by Coach Russek, going into his third straight NTT with some really good players. You got Dante Shaw, the point guard, Ashton Lindley, Kurt Beasley, the big man. I mean, they they got a good team, you know. Um, got some size, got some – I mean, they they did well in Conference 6, a tough conference. So they're going up against Scranton. And Scranton had a really good season, 14-4, um, and four, uh, won their conference in the regular season. This is their third NTT, and they also are led by their junior class of Henderson, Martinez, and Atkins. Um, Joshua Franklin, the senior shooting guard, 18 points a game on 65% true shooting percentage. That's really nice, 47% from the three. Um, so Lindley's going to have to really step up if uh, yeah, if he wants to shut him down. Um, 
Let me look at the uh, top. So Montpelier is number three in free throws attempted, number nine in opposing threes allowed, and number and number seven in rebounding margin. And then um, Scranton is number two in three points attempted and number three in true shooting. So any thoughts on this, J.D.? Sorry, I was looking. I thought we were doing every other one. So I sorry, Bills. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Bills. It's you. No, You're no right. problem. Uh, sure. So first of all, you got the Shaw versus Shaw matchup here at point guard. Yeah. Dante versus Blake. Edge goes to Dante there. So if it's all about the Shaws, I think Montpelier win. Uh, I think these are two good teams. Scranton is the kind of team that I consistently underestimate in the NTT. They're mm. undersized. Yeah. They've got a six-six power forward, and I tend to kind of write those teams off as not being able to compete. And then they sometimes win. Uh, I feel like sure. this, and this could be wrong, but historically I feel like College Station is a team that comes in like from Conference 23, a totally different team, but is often undersized, has played a weak schedule, and I just think, ah, oh, they're not going to do anything. And then they pull some big upset in the first round. And win, and I remember Luis Martinez from high school uh, out of Brunswick High, I think. And he's a good player, but I do think he's going to have his work cut out for him playing power forward against NTT-level competition. And that includes Montpelier, for sure. Montpelier has size. Got a 6'9 power forward and a 7'1 center. They come out of a good conference, having lost a couple times to Carnegie, one of the best teams in the country, as we talked about uh, when talking about one of the other regions. They're 12-6, and six, but with a very good, very solid strength of schedule, playing a lot of good teams. The number one thing I'll say for Scranton in terms of their schedule is they actually beat a number one seed in Fort Lauderdale uh, in the second game of the season and beat them by double digits. So they've clearly shown they can compete with NTT-level teams, but uh, I think I'm going to repeat my same mistake and, and write, write them off due to the lack of height, and they can prove me wrong. Uh, I would lean toward Montpelier in this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's look at uh, the next matchup. We have uh, Santa Fe, the Caesars, going up against the Brunswick Surcharge, coached by Coach Rapbite. You know, Brunswick's got some... Um, decent classes, you know, um, three classes in the um, mid mid one hundreds, um, and you got Luke Conway, the the small forward, scoring twenty points a game. Seth Brown, the senior shooting guard, scoring eighteen point nine points a game. Um, so both both solid players. Um, Santa Fe, the number four seed. You got Andrew Brayton. Um, he's just been a monster this year. Fifty six point seven percent seven rebounds from the um power forward position. They really rely on him. Um and then uh also rely on their um their two headed monster at point guard Paul Hodge and Derek Buckhalter. They kind of split time, both have about twenty two minutes. They kind of switch a lineup around a little bit. Um but um did Buckhalter I think Buckhalter started the season um, as the starter, and then he moved to backup. But anyway, um, yeah, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, for a 4-13 seed, I mean, I feel like these teams are not all that um, far apart when it comes to overall roster talent. I mean, Santa Fe does have more total talent overall, and, and they played a little bit better schedule with with a good record. Um, Brunswick, you know, they won a lot of games, but they had one of the worst schedules in the entire country. 
So mm-hmm. you always have to question like any of the stats that you see um, when you play this literally like one of the bottom, you know, 12 or so schedules in the country. So, you know, the, uh, you know, March is made for upsets. You know, maybe you see a, a team like Brunswick that's able to step up and kind of surprise a team that has a little bit better schedule. And uh, it will be very curious to see, um, you know, if, you know, Conway and Brown can um, overcome, you know, probably a team that has probably a little bit better defense. If I had to, if I had to guess, I mean, I don't have the record. The obviously don't, we don't have the ratings in front of us, but um, ultimately it feels like both teams are, have a couple of like standout players, but I feel like Santa Fe has just a little bit more depth. So, if I were handicapping this game, I would say Santa Fe by probably less than a couple of possessions. So I'd maybe like give them like a four or five point favorite um, entering this game. Yeah. Um, let's look at the next matchup, the five twelve. Really interesting matchup. You got the Chicago Maroons going up against the Salem um, Renegades number one. Um, so Coach Rensid of Chicago. You know, he's got that balanced approach, 15 and 3, 16 overall. He's got that 6 7 senior class. He's got the 8 18 um, sophomore class. He's got Christopher Forte, who is part of a 99 21 class. So big disparity there showing that um, Forte, Forte, Forte is a really solid player. But you see the same thing with Salem. Um, you got a 114 21 class. Tanner O'Kane, O'Kane, um, game one assist, one point, one point assist, ten rebounds. Not like the most prolific scorer, but he can score a little bit too. Um, and then he got that one forty eighty class. Eric Burroughs. that was a guy I was on. Um, just a guy that can shoot, that can defend, is athletic, fits great at small forward right there for him. Um, and then he's got that ten nine class with. Graf and Dugas, you know this team better than anyone. I don't know about better than anyone. Maybe RoboDog knows his team a little <laughs> better. But um, they won Conference 31 tournament. They beat you guys by seven. Um, what do you think about this team? Yeah, so I went into this game matchups when I started to look at it, really wanting to take Salem for some of the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, they're in our conference. They did just beat us on Wednesday, though, to be fair, we got them the first two times we played them. <laughs> uh, but in close games, you know, I mean, they, they have been competitive with us uh, throughout this year. Last year, I remember they beat us by 20 in our first matchup, and then they kind of fell apart and didn't make the NTT. Uh, and we straightened things out a little bit. But they, they do have a lot of talent. They're a scary team to play. You mentioned O'Kane, the center. Uh, Isaiah Dugas is another guy. I remember him from Conference 31 uh, out of Tucson, I think. Another really good player. You can see his all-around numbers at power forward. Um, and they really they clicked. I did not expect them to win this game today against Eugene because Eugene, I think, is the team that seemed like the sleeping giant in Conference 31 that was going to just maybe run through the conference tournament or got, get hot eventually. And they managed to sneak into the tournament as one of the last teams in as an at-large. But Salem earned its way in by beating them after beating us. So tons mm-hmm. of credit to them. But I, I just think Chicago is really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, have, they have the great senior class, two top 10 classes, if you include the 18-8 hardwood, sim hoops, sophomore class, and then the 7-6 seniors. Uh, and for whatever reason, I had it in my head that Chicago didn't have a great history and 
you know, that's just wrong. And they've been in the NTT each of the last five seasons. Uh, I must be really outdated uh, in thinking that way. Uh, or maybe because they're in Duluth's conference, they felt like an afterthought to me as, as compared to them. They but actually won I, their I conference. <laughs> yeah, I know. They won the regular season despite having Duluth there. Uh, really incredible accomplishments. So I just think this is a tough team for Salem to have to play. It's going to be a real litmus test, I think, for, for me and the rest of Conference 31 to see where we are. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get our own games, but uh, Salem is a team that has, you know, almost all of its losses in the conference. It has one loss out of conference, uh, yeah. lost to number, six, number, number 65 Atlanta, uh, beat LA, a team that did win uh, Conference 30 regular season and made the tournament. So that's one NTT win. Also beat Colorado Springs, which got in as well. So a couple of technical NTT wins there. Uh, but it's it just, it's going to be interesting to see how Salem does because if they can perform in the NTT, it will suggest that Conference 31 uh, is good. And if not, you know, maybe it's because Chicago is great or maybe it'll, it'll show that we were all just kind of beating up on each other a little bit and, and nobody was that great in our conference this year. But either way, I think Chicago is a, a really good team. I'm going to take them. And real quick before I see the floor, I want to get it on record. I'm taking Brunswick over Santa Fe in that 4-13 matchup. Okay. Uh, conference, conference one is always the worst conference. I don't know how it's ranked, but I mean uh, – with a, a, someone in my family who's in Conference 1, I can tell you it feels like the worst conference every year. Now it's 30 out of 32, I guess, but it's yeah. consistently at the Been very better. bottom. <laughs> yeah, consistently at the very bottom. And Brunswick just had to play all those terrible teams. And at some point, maybe you get bored playing those teams and you lose a couple. Uh, so they're 16-2, and two, but I, I think they, they pull off the upset uh, in that 4-13 matchup. All right. Let's look at the 215 matchup. We got Clemson, the Wookiees, coached by Coach M. Batch 31. Um, you know, he's got a solid team up and down. Anthony Hutchinson, he's got to be a tough guy to um, play against. Uh, JD knows all about that. You got Ahmad Green. I really like Ahmad Green. You know, he's not going to score, but he's going to rebound. He's going to pass. He's going to play defense. He's going to make life tough at you when you go in the lane. He's going to. Um, come up for to stop Zachary Suttles, the freshman. Fun team. You've played them a lot. You guys, um, you guys lost in you lost in the regular season once, and then killed them the second time, and then they got you, then. Sorry, yeah, yeah, killed them the second time, and then the third time as well, right? JD, I get that right. Yeah, in the uh, we we in the in the conference uh, championship game in the turn turn conference tournament championship game we were up for a long, a decent amount for most of that game and and they kind of made the score at the end a little bit closer than it was but yeah they definitely snuck up on us in that early season game and ultimately cost us the regular season conference championship because we also dropped one to uh, a decent Daytona squad you know later in the season but since we lost two and the only one they lost was our second meeting against us. Um, you know, despite that being a blowout win, you know, that cost us the regular season title by not pulling off the sweep there. So, yeah, I mean, from a conference 10 perspective, uh, you know, for the most part, we've had to deal with Jackson, who's been, you know, coach Palmer's been one of the best in the, in the entire league for, for a while, some early championships and, you know, getting by him was a challenge enough. And Ocala always provides a, a great challenge, but now with the uh, coach Mbatch, it's provided just another 
really good coach in the conference that has uh, really you know raised the profile of that Clemson program. And now here they are entering the tournament as a two seed. You know, after just a, a fabulous season. Um, you know, you look at them on paper; they don't have like an elite player. I mean, Anthony Hutchinson is great, but I mean, if you look at just recruiting rankings, they don't have uh, you know any of the top classes. But they're just an overall solid team. They have a lot of depth. And um, you know and they performed really well in a in a good conference, so they're they're very much battle tested, and um, you know I expect them to, you know, to perform well at least in the early rounds of this tournament. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they play Oakland, who isn't the best team, but they won their conference tournament in conference twenty seven and made their first ever NTT championship. So congrats to Coach DD D Dark O five seven and. If Oakland does have a chance, maybe it's because they're named the Illuminati. And, you know, there's there's some secret <laughs> stuff going on behind the scenes that maybe we don't know about. So it doesn't look like they have much of a chance, but, you know, uh, I'm not going to rule it out because um, I'm a believer. Yeah, I mean, you can never fully trust these, uh, you know, DTL refs, you know, yeah. with the team like the Illuminati. I mean, this feels like a situation where all of a sudden Clemson gets called for 25 to 30 fouls and Oakland only gets a couple and, you know, maybe that changes things up. But I, I outside of any shenanigans like that, I mean, I think uh, Clemson just has, you know, they have better overall talent, they have better depth, and this ultimately should not be too big of a challenge for Clemson to move on. Cool. Let's look at the next matchup. we got Frankfurt Fighting Owls, coached by Coach Ted Lasso. Everyone's favorite um, football coach. And you guys watched Ted Lasso? Love it. It's Heard really great good. Things. It was I my plan tonight. I knew I'd be pissed off about the Illini, so I saved uh, the newest Ted Lasso until after that game so I could at least go to bed happy after watching that show. So, Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is a great show. So, um, uh, Bills, uh, I recommend you watch it when you get a chance. <laughs> so. 100%. Do it. Um, All right. And everyone else listening out there. So uh, they're back in the NTT after two years off. Um, you know, still got Jermaine White, um, the senior power forward. Landry Coleman's really stepped up. The freshman um, shooting guard, Michael Knowles, they're part of a really tough conference. They went 12-6, and six, but, you know, made the NTT. Uh, they're going up against Ithaca, the Warriors. Very, I mean, this is one of the worst schedules, worst conferences but last year they made um, to the Elite Eight. And, you know, they brought in a good class again this year. So they um, lost one senior in Charles English and then brought in Austin Emery, uh, who's part of a 44-9 class. Um, he doesn't seem to be doing a lot scoring-wise. He can score, but that's not what he's there for. He's kind of like their point guard from the um, small forward position, really. Um, dishing out seven assists, playing great defense, six seven guy. Uh, so that's kind of how they they operate. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how this one goes. Uh, it should be an interesting game. Frankfurt is number two in free throws attempted, and then Ithaca um, is number seven in opposing free throws attempted. Number one in true shooting, number seven in opposing true shooting, number one in true shooting margin, number five in um, and uh, rebounding margin and number four in defensive points. Now, you got to take all, all that with a little bit of a grain of salt because 
of the teams they're going up against. But, um, but yeah, thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of this Ithaca team, really. I mean, for some of the reasons you mentioned, but beyond that, I mean, they have the one three senior class, one hardwood, three sim hoops. Yeah. And you look at those guys, they're good players, but it's hard to see why that class was ranked the best in the whole country in the, according to the magazine mm-hmm. that supposedly prioritizes star power. I mean, I, I remember Matthew Rutherford to some yes, extent. Yeah. I mean, he, he had pretty gaudy scouted ratings, good stats. And I mean, those guys are all shooting over 60% true shooting. So I don't really mean to, to denigrate them at all. And their team has been very successful. It's just, you know, when you see the number one there, you think you're going to get somebody like, you know, Julian Moore last year or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so you don't see that. And then even more confusing, and you sort of were, were alluding to this when you talked about the team, the nine hardwood, 44 Sim Hoops freshman class, that even more screams out for one single superstar. And it's hard. Yeah. To... I mean, you look at those freshmen, Emery is the only one who's starting, and he, he scored nine points a game in high school with very good numbers around that. The other two guys were 20 points per game scores. So it kind of looks more like a Sim Hoops class, actually. Uh, mm. So I can't, can't really tell who the star is supposed to be among those freshmen or, or, or figure out overall what to make of this team. Other than that, they have dominant, other than the fact that they have dominant stats against a weak schedule. I mean, they, you know, they really have, uh, you know, they're winning by over 20 points a game. Their true shooting margin is fantastic. Uh, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And as you said, they were in the Elite Eight last year and then actually won their consolation bracket games too uh, to finish fifth. So they were five and one in the NTT. Then they go up against Frankfurt, you know, a team, their coach is just all over conference 18 every year. Uh, they're, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the history of league 31. They're, they're always there. They were in the final four, two years in a row, a few seasons back, uh, scuffled in the PTE for a couple of these past two seasons, but now they're back and they're always a tough out in the NTT. So I think this is a really interesting game. Two teams yeah. with very different profiles in terms of their schedules. And I'll be, I'll be watching this one closely for sure. Yeah, you're making me second guess my Austin Emery uh, pick. I do remember Reginald Porter being like a really solid recruit or like he seemed like um, he put up good numbers, at least 20 points a game. He had an 18.7 game score um, in high school, whereas – Emory had an 18.3, so we'll see. Maybe just two of them were really good. Yeah, sometimes those hardwood classes based on two guys instead of one. Mm-hmm. It's a little, from my perspective, at least, it's a little inconsistent. And it yeah. may be that Diaz, despite the fact that he scores 20 points a game, given all those turnovers, maybe he really drives the turnovers down. Game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it might be more like Porter and Emory are both really good, and that's how it got that high hardwood class ranking. All right, let's talk about the Youngstown game. We got the Youngstown Solaris um, going up against the Silver City Spacemen. So Youngstown won Conference 16, lost in the championship today, but they're one of the best teams in League 31 history. Um, number three in all-time wins, number nine in all-time power power rank, but they still haven't really broken through and made to a Final Four here in the in League 31. You got Devontae Wells, the junior um, point guard leading the way, 21 points a game, 58%. True shooting, five assists, 1.4 um, turnovers. So really solid player there. Benjamin Robinson, Benjamin Davis, um, Jalen Fulton, and Jonathan Bozeman. Can, man, Jonathan Bozeman was a really big recruit, wasn't he? Am I, am I remember that right? I think that's right. Yeah, because that Sioux City team, remember, had mm-hmm. – because I remember the Sioux City coach that he maxed all yeah. the Sioux City players and he was one i think maniscalco may have been another one 
It's like yes. two seven footers. Yeah. So I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, that that's a fun team with the two the two seven footers and um the three big men. I mean, that that's a that's a valid strategy. You know, you got a bunch of guys that cast around. They have um twenty assists per game and thirty three made shots, killing teams and rebounding. Let me look at this, how this works. Youngstown is number two in uh, posting free throws attempted and number six in rebounding margin. Um, and then Silver City is uh, number three in opposing three points attempted, number six in three points attempted. So they try and make their money by shooting more threes than the other team. Um, Silver City, you got uh, Corey Farrell. Yeah, Freddie uh, Helmgren, the um, power forwards, pretty solid too. William McKenna. I think, uh, you know, they're going to try and keep it out of the paint, shoot a lot of threes, um, get away from the the twin uh, towers. But will it be enough, uh, JD? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this looks like kind of a more traditional, um, you know, three seed being a, a very high favorite over the lower seed. I mean, you look at Silver City, and they just—they're simply going to need, you know, Cody Farrell to step up and have a huge game because they're just yeah. at such a overall talent disparity uh, compared to Youngstown. I mean, Youngstown has, you know, a lot, a lot more depth. So, I mean, if Silver uh, Silver City is going to pull off an upset here, they're simply going to need like their star players to perform at peak level stay out of foul trouble because if any of their stars get in foul trouble, they don't have the guys on the bench that can come in and like try and hold the fort, you know, for, you know, five or eight minutes or whatever it might be in the half while the starters in, in foul trouble. So I young sound just, they're just the deeper team. You know, they have a, you know, Devonte Wells at, at, at a point guard that um, really the only chance for silver city is going to be to uh, for him to have such a, a poor game against uh, Farrell who defends well. So I mean, it's not completely out of the question, but I would be surprised if um, – I wouldn't be surprised if this game was close going into halftime. But as the second half goes on, I think that uh, Youngstown's depth is just going to kind of reign supreme and they're going to kind of run away with it in the end. Yeah. Let's look at the next matchup. We've got the Dallas Wranglers going up against the Aberdeen <laughs> Tribe. Um, Dallas is number nine and three points attempted – Number seven in steals and number two in turnover margin. Aberdeen is number one in blocks, um, number four in free throws attempted, and number 10 in opposing three points attempted. And you can't talk about Aberdeen without talking about Emmanuel Wright, um, the 6'10 center, 11.4 rebounds, 21 points per game, um, 55.3% true shooting, 3.4 blocks, only 0.8 turnovers. This guy's a monster. He does it all for them. He's the guy they rely on, and he's carried NAF's team all the way to the NTT. Um, you know, last year they made the Sweet 16. Uh, they lost Kilo, and it was kind of – they kind of had to figure out an identity. And over the season they have, you know, they've uh, – they got one of the last at-large bids to make it in. Um, but they go up against this Dallas team that has – Thor Payne at power forward, and this guy's a beast. 61.8% true shooting, and everyone else can score a little bit too. So what do you think about this game, Bills? 
Yeah, so a few things about this. First of all, you're absolutely right. You can't talk about Aberdeen without talking about Emmanuel Wright. And yet, you can't even see Emmanuel Wright unless you look carefully at the team. Yeah. I mean, K-Money does so many things right, right? He is just the greatest leader that we could have. But if he's listening or if somebody could communicate to him, this has to be fixed. It's so annoying to have to look and find <laughs> this guy on the second group here. And, you know, we're looking at coach pages all the time and, you know, you find it right away and we can, I can find it. But it's just there's there's got to be something better than this. And I understand the idea is, you know, you're only supposed to see some version of the most played lineup. You're not supposed to see the current lineup because that could give a coaching advantage and all of that. But there's got to be some way to keep Emmanuel Wright in the center position because uh, mm-hmm. this is just a travesty that I've got to look down here. He looks like he's a backup. Uh, but anyway, he, he's a great player. Uh, I think they've got a really interesting front court. Grayson Smith is a guy who I remember as a high schooler can't rebound, uh, or at least wasn't supposed to be able to. He actually has three offensive rebounds a game, but for a seven footer, that's not his strength. Uh, and yet a good defensive player, uh, has pretty good hands, although that doesn't totally show up right now on the, on the assist turnover ratio, but a really nice compliment to Emmanuel Wright. Uh, and so I think that works very well for them. They were, in fact, the very last, uh, not just one of the last, the very last team in uh, out of a very strong conference, Conference 21. And then this Dallas team, it's kind of like what I was saying about Salem with respect to my conference, Conference 31. Dallas, I'm pretty sure all its losses are in Conference 25, a conference mm-hmm. that is well-regarded, has good teams, you know, Odessa, number 26, El Paso, number 24, uh, Laramie, number 10. Right. So it could be that Conference 25 is real good uh, or it could be they're all collectively just like a little bit overranked. And so, you know, they're going to end up struggling a little bit in the NTT. And, it, you know, it might not be universal. Maybe some of them will and some won't. Uh, if you're listening to Region 1, you heard me praise El Paso quite a bit. So it's hard to say, but I like Aberdeen in this game. Long story short, I think they're a good team. They're very much battle tested. I think uh, they've got, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be hungry after being the last team in. They're going to feel grateful to be there. Uh, and I, I think they advance. Especially, it's one more thing. It's interesting. Neither of these teams scores very much from the backcourt. Uh, you mentioned Killo, Killer, mm-hmm. whoever he was, who graduated. Aberdeen totally changed his identity this year from a guy Street who scored and a half points per game at point guard. Uh, you know, so they're a team that scores in the front court, and so is Dallas with, <laughs> with Mr. Payne. Uh, so just a different kind of matchup. Interesting to see that. But I, to me, Aberdeen has the edge. Right, great. Well, let's make our picks for this group. Um, I'm going to take Dearborn over Montpelier. Um, I'm going to take Salem over Santa Fe. Uh, Clemson over, actually, Ithaca over Clemson. Uh, Youngstown over Aberdeen. Youngstown over Ithaca. Um, And then Youngstown taking down Dearborn. Yeah, I'm not jumping in here because I have a really, really hard time with this region. Uh, this is wide open, isn't it? Don't you feel like this? I think it is. I don't see I don't see the same kinds of absolute killer teams in this region that are, that we saw in some of the other regions. A lot of good teams, but I could see you know any of a number of and winning that Frankfurt Ithaca matchup is one I'm staring at because mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time picking it. But I think if Ithaca does advance, they could absolutely make a big run. Uh, I like Youngstown a lot as well. So I would take Youngstown to get to the Sweet 16 at least. Um, I think the winner of that Frankfurt-Ithaca game will take down Clemson, which I do think will beat Oakland. Um, I like Dearborn, but they're not my absolute favorite number one seed. 
but I don't I don't really see who on the top other than maybe Chicago, who you just take took to lose in the first round, uh, is going to beat them. So I guess uh, gun to my head, I take Chicago to make the elite eight, and then uh, I guess I would go with Youngstown, and uh, I'll take Chicago. Maybe we'll see two conference twenty teams uh, in the final four. Not that I'm necessarily picking Duluth at a conference a region two, but certainly a plausible pick. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a very interesting region overall because, as you guys kind of mentioned, there's not like a, yeah, this is going to be like an absolute shock if this team doesn't make it all the way through. I mean, yeah, Dearborn's obviously a great team, but are are they so far ahead of anyone else they're going to play? Not really. I mean, I think even as early as Montpelier in round two, they could definitely fall victim in that game. They're going to win round one, but I could easily see Montpelier pulling off the upset in round two. Um, looking at the bottom side of the bracket, yeah, as you guys mentioned, that Frankfurt-Nithka game was just so interesting, and I could see mm-hmm. the winner of that game easily advancing out to the Elite Eight, just as I could see Clemson beating the winner of that game. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that – I mean, it, it's not fair to, like, say, hey, one of these three teams is going to get there, but, I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, it's going to be Clemson versus the winner of that game, and the winner of that game is going to be who's in the Elite Eight. I, I don't. I don't think that – the teams in the bottom two games are going to win that sweet 16 matchup against one of those three teams. So one of those three teams is going to make it to the elite eight against the, you know, probably either Dearborn or Montpelier in my opinion. And yeah, it's just so hard. I, I don't even like want to try and like throw myself out there. Like, I guess if I, you know, if I have to like make a guess, what's this, what's to say Montpelier pulls off the upset and you got Montpelier against, let's say Frankfurt, and the bottom half. So that's a, what a seven, eight matchup in the elite eight. And let's just say Frankfurt moving on. So mm-hmm. um, maybe that's just me trying to throw some, some upset points out there, but um, I feel like this region is going to show some chaos. So let's go for it. So uh, we had a little bit of audio issues. My uh, phone died. <laughs> so it stopped recording, but um, yeah, thanks for bills and, uh, JD coming on there and uh hopefully you guys enjoyed region uh region four should be a wide open conference uh or region um with lots of good players so uh yeah that's it for that region <laughs>